<laughs> Don't kill me, Disney. <laughs> I'll stop doing the voice. <laughs> Come on, Pluto. Let's get out of here. Scramoozle. I, don't, um, yeah. I think I say like in the in in the office. I usually say like, "Ah, jeez," like like Morty from Rick and Morty. Ah, jeez, Rick. Oh yeah. Ah, jeez. You may have noticed our podcast may sound a little different. While we always wear a mask and maintain social distancing during recording, Tom and I have moved recording to a larger, not-so-enclosed space to ensure an even safer recording of our episodes. We appreciate you listening and enjoy the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Rode Microphones. Rode is an Australian-based company with a great U.S. team making quality consumer and professional audio equipment. Here at Two Weird Camera Beards, Tom and I host the show using two Rode Pod Mics and a Rodecaster Pro for mixing and stings. If you're interested in Rode audio equipment, Midwest Photo is an authorized reseller, and you can find their equipment to purchase or learn more by going to mpex.com and searching Rode. That's mpex.com. Search R-O-D-E. And a special thank you to Ray Sherlow for our intro music and all of the other music that you hear when we're not talking. If you dig his tunes like I do, head over to his Bandcamp page. It's raysherlow.bandcamp.com. If you have any uh, difficulty with the spelling, don't worry. We'll put a link in the show notes as well. Thanks, Ray. What do you want to talk about today? Oh, today, Tom, we're going to talk about family photos. Because right now is like the time to, like, if you haven't got your family photos done yet, you should be getting your family photos done for the holidays so that you can include it in the card so that the card is late. By the time this airs, it's going to be late. <laughs> right? I don't know that it really matters, though, with the, the like, because, like, even in the store here, we've been experiencing issues with USPS. And I, I personally have been experiencing issues with USPS. Yeah. So I think everybody's Christmas card's going to be late. I think that's fine. It's yeah. 2020. What are we going to yeah. do? Definitely. I think everything's running behind this year yeah. in terms of yeah, shipping and all that stuff. Right. But uh, last week we talked about uh, some the dronage, uh, flying with a drone, what you need to know before you take off and everything. Mm-hmm. Have you, uh, you own a drone. Have you taken yours out since? Oh, no. It's been a long time since I've taken mine out. Yeah? Yeah. That thing hasn't seen flight in probably six months. You got to make it happen. I know. I know yeah. it's cold right now. I don't want any voltage drops. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You don't want to like be up there and you're at seventy percent or something, and then all of a sudden you're at thirty percent. That's true. So Do you, uh, so this this is a slightly personal question. Oh, uh, -oh. uh Do you are you one of the people that takes your cats for walks? Uh, occasionally, yeah. Uh, I think it would be a great video, a uh, little a little video thing to have the drone kind of follow you, Ashley, and Cricket around oh, the no, block no, or no, something. No. 
I'm going to have to have Maddie share this video that I've got on... on oh, you've got something. <laughs> well, no. The drone and cricket cannot coexist in the same place. She's, she's, she sees it as a robot bird, and she wants to murder it. Oh. She wants to murder it when it's on the ground, but the second <laughs> it hits the air, the second that thing hits the air and it sounds like a swarm of bees, she's done. She's gone. Where, yeah. wherever, wherever that drone is, she wants to be the exact opposite place of the drone. Oh, man. She hates it. Hates it. Oh, I was thinking that she would try to attack it, but she just runs. She'll attack it if it's grounded. She will not attack it if it's in there. She gets afraid of it when it's in there because the sound huh. that sound is terrifying. All right. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we had a. I had that footage of the SS Palo Alto shared on the Instagram, the the concrete ship. Did you did you watch that video? I did, but it's been a little bit. Okay, so uh, just to kind of recap for those, if you go and check out the two weird camera beards Instagram. We, um, it's off the coast of California, right? Yeah, it's on the central coast. It's uh, technically in Santa Cruz County. It's off the. Uh, it's this little town called Aptos, and um, it's it's a ship that was made of concrete rather than like steel. How does that work? How well, it that? it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> um, ultimately, the ship. It was supposed to be a tanker for World War One, huh. and I, I don't know, like. I I've only heard like bits and rumors of like how it was constructed or why it was done that way or anything, but I think probably some contractor just wanted to play with military budget a little bit. Well, and, and was it that had to have been? Yeah, that's like that's prior to even all of the like fine art, like architects and sculptures, like playing with concrete and seeing what you could do with it with different like mixtures of concrete right so yeah so um what ended up happening is it, it never it was a tanker and never saw a single second of the war like it never took anything anywhere never brought oil to anybody like it just it didn't move yeah and then ultimately the war ended <laughs> huh. and they were like so what are we going to do with this thing and this entertainment company bought it up and the entertainment company's idea was they were going to make it into like a lounge casino thing off the coast of california so they they parked it in california so it did float yeah, no, it floats. If it, it did float oh. at one time, and then that company like went under. Huh. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a good that's a good way to phrase it. <laughs> <laughs> I did not intend that pun, but there we go. Uh. So uh, what ended up happening is it just sat there and it started to decay and everything. And so the state of California bought it. They ended up making it to a pier where fishermen could fish off the side of it because fish were like interested in in kind of swimming around it. I don't know if they were just like. If there was crustaceans or barnacles or whatever it might Had be, to have been right growing on the side of it, I'm sure. But then ultimately, it started to decay even more and more, and now it's like half sunken. Actually, it's probably like 70, 80 percent sunken into the mm -hmm. like coastal line, and like all the rebar is like kind of exposed out of it now, and it's really like gnarly looking. Mm -hmm. um, and it's used as like an artificial. Uh, like kind of sanctuary area for fish. Sure. What's really interesting about that is that's not publicized that much is that fish will go in there, but when great whites are showing their young around and trying to get them used to hunting, the juvenile great whites will roam that area a lot. Really? Yeah. So you can see juvenile great whites. Dude. Kind of like in the summer time. And, um, there was even uh, like a, a helicopter 
that went over and, and captured some footage of it one year when That's I lived cool. when I lived there. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so make sure to check out that footage again because it's yeah, it's dope. I re- like af- like while we were talking through this, like I did, like it was coming to my mind again. Uh, yeah, it's just been a minute, but that's awesome, man. And I could totally see like concrete is a porous material. Yes, like I don't understand how I don't know, but I also think that with modern technology, there's the, there's probably some aspects of ships that are still made with concrete, like yeah. just. I don't know, for and reinforced like, my, kind of structuring and all that. My guess is it was sealed in some way. And I say that because, <laughs> funny enough... <laughs> almost like almost like your like your, uh, your garage floor or something no, like ex- that. exactly. And, yeah. the, and the reason I thought of that is because my, my dad, who listens to this podcast, by the way, hello, dad. Hope you're doing all right. Hello, Mr. Deskins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he worked most of his life, most of my life, um, in the concrete business, like he poured concrete. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I know he, he always would, you know, talk so, about concrete and, you know, process of and pouring it and, you know, how it had to be either wet or kind of drier. And So uh, we we ask for listener questions. I've got a question for your dad. Okay. Uh, Mr. Deskins, what's the coolest thing you've seen made out of concrete? Because I know that there's been Ooh. some wild stuff. Yeah. I want to know what it is. Okay. Because I know, like, back in the day, like, Ray and Charles Eames were doing some crazy things with concrete, like Mm -hmm. in the 60s, and yeah, with all of the like brutalism architecture and all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's seen some wild stuff, like in in terms of concrete, in that uh, I know we're going down a tangent here, but um, people like dying their concrete for their driveways. Oh yeah. So like, if you don't want a gray, you can make a red, or you can make it. Yeah. You know, my mom was actually looking into getting a patio made for her house, and and I think she was looking at like a red or something. And he'll have to correct me on this, um, and I believe this is the case, but I think he he knew a guy that uh, built his driveway mixed in um, kind of glow material into it, so that yeah, so that his driveway at night would kind of give off this glow, so that you could see it. That's got to be like. (laughs) <laughs> the architectural equivalent of putting those glow-in-the-dark stars on your ceiling <laughs> for a kid's room. I don't know. That seems kind of cool to me. Yeah. Um, I'd totally do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so what's good with you, Tom? What's new? I, I, I went I mean, on a tangent on concrete. What's? Uh, I know that you've been here at the store and things have been... Work has been hopping lately. Hopping so, for the holidays. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been... I've been watching, like, I don't know, movies and stuff like that. I'm trying to even think, like, uh, yeah, I've just been watching a bunch of movies and and TV shows and hanging out with my cat after work. I've just been kind of exhausted at the end of the day because of the the in-store traffic. We appreciate all of you guys supporting us. Like, small businesses need, you, need people right now, and yeah. you guys have shown us a lot of support, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yeah. Um. Leonard's okay. Leonard Leo's doing, doing. Oh yeah, he's still. It seems like whenever uh, I get home and I'm just exhausted, he's like ready to go. Like he's just re- <laughs> like he's doing laps around the house. He's like, he does this thing where he tries to jump up the like door jams and like climb up them, oh, okay. like wiggle his way up, and like it just yeah, it's entertaining for me and him. So <laughs> it's great. Oh, goodness. Yeah. All right. So this week we're going to talk about uh, family photos because it is tis it is it tis the season for family photos. Oh, yeah. Whether you're using them for, for holiday cards or if you're using them for 
uh, just to to memorialize the the this year and how crazy it's been and how your family has gotten through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of like the way we're gonna attack this, I think we're gonna have kind of a couple different sections here. Uh, the first one that we kind of want to dig into is like professionally, like how getting photos done, like, uh, and like, I'm sure you've, you've been hired out to do some like family photos for people. And I've done family yep. photos in the past. Absolutely. Um, what kind of, what kind of stuff do you end up doing? Um, Evan? so I, I, I think I've really only had like one large family and uh it was it honestly was my aunt and my uh my cousins and um in in terms of other families though more recently i um photographed our coworker and our good friend oh yeah miss katie walter yeah and her uh husband jared and their daughter elowen uh ellie and uh that was a that was a blast um yeah so we did it. So that's got that's yeah. got to be a little bit different though, too, because you're photographing a couple who's also photographers, like yes. photographer family, yeah. so they know exactly what to do in those kind of situations. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, but on the other hand, too, they're so because she is. I mean, Ellie is is a firecracker. She's all over the place. Oh, yeah. So they're kind of like their focus was like still raining her in. Yeah, making sure she doesn't run off somewhere, making sure she's burning off enough energy, making sure she's having fun. Mm-hmm. So really, that left my wife and I to my wife who's also a photographer but um <laughs> that left that left us to to handle the the photographic side of things and of course like I've said before Ashley is uh, my wife is the um kind of the right brain side in terms of the creativity and posing and composition and and everything and I am more of the technical individual so that that always works out when we're tag teaming a, a I was gonna say did you guys both shoot then yeah, we With both it. shot. Like we we had one camera, but we just handed it off to each other when we saw something that yeah kind of uh, we thought was was nice. That is totally that makes things so much easier. I yes. think that that's what mostly when you see wedding photographers with an assistant. I think most of the time it is just to like rain people gather people together yes. make sure that people aren't wandering off to yep. to the dance floor when you should be getting pictures yeah. and all that stuff but it also works too because when you've got a, a situation where you're um like when i was shooting katie and jared and ellie mm-hmm. um you know we one of us would shoot mm-hmm. and the other one would kind of like because ellie comes with two blankets and you know oh, yeah. a stroller and you know we want to make sure that that jared and katie if they have anything that we need to hold for them that we can do that as well so yeah. one of us is acting as kind of like a wrangler of all things the camera bag the stroller the mm-hmm. blankets and the other person's shooting and that allows us to trade off we're both equally working as hard but one of us isn't getting burnt out on shooting the entire time sure which was nice sure um what about you? What ha, what recently or not so recently have you uh, encountered when it comes to professional family shots? So recently, I haven't done much of that at all. Um, I, I in the past, the m- most of what I've done with that has been. So I shoot. I th- I know that I've mentioned it on the podcast in the past, but um, I shoot a lot of, in a typical year, I shoot a lot of races, like 5Ks, 4-milers, the Cap City Half Marathon, Mm -hmm. and all of those, 
a lot of them are like fundraising events at their heart. Like it's like it may be a run and people may be kind of competitive with it, but it's mostly like for like let's raise money for this for like some sort of like uh, illness or something like that. And most of what I do at those events is gather people together and get like group photos and stuff like that. Get get everybody once they fit like so very, cross the finish very line. Very similar concepts. And it, yeah, and it is like. It, I will say it is a very brief moment. Like I'm saying like, Hey, let's do this. And it's like a 30 second kind of interaction of just like, let's get everybody together. Uh, you put up a number one, you kind of kneel in front of everybody so I can get everybody together. And mm -hmm. a lot of like kind of guiding in like a few seconds. And that, that ends up working out in a lot of those situations. Um, but then I also in the past have shot, uh, what we have, we actually have something here at Midwest Photo that we would typically do one or two times a year, typically two times a year, and it's something we call Portraits of Love. Ah, uh, yes, yes. And it is things for active duty or retired military, uh, first responders, so police, fire, and uh, medical, and uh, uh, we basically offer a free portrait with some free prints for those people to kind of give back to our community. Yeah. And a lot of the times, especially with the active duty military, it may be the first time they've gotten a family photo in literally like years, yeah, like yeah. five, six years sometimes. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot of it's like really touching because it's like, Man, this is like really special to these people to get everybody together, get them all dressed up nicely, put them in front of a nice backdrop, and right. yeah, pose everybody up with apple boxes and all that, and mm. yeah, interesting. Okay, so, and it sounds like maybe we have we have two different approaches, and this is something that um, my my wife has kind of nudged me towards compared to what I used to shoot before I shot with her. Is that you're the experience that you've got with with these group portraits, family portraits, is that of like almost a um, opposed setting. And there's nothing wrong with opposed setting. Some people are preferential to uh, like opposed setting. With portrait. everything that I do, there's some aspect of posing right. because it's always, because it's not like you want people to feel good when they look at those portraits. Sure. Even like you're not altering it drastically, but it's like lean forward a little bit and bump your chin up a little bit. And that'll like, so that you're not getting the double chin or whatever, like so that you, you can look back on this and think like, Oh man, I look good. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, that's, you know, some, and, and that's, that's a really nice um, uh, technique to things and, and, and posing and everything. I will say that my wife and I, as well as the photographers that we've been inspired by, we are more like candid shooters. So mm. we're letting, uh, we, you know, we will get some like a few post shots just for grandma or auntie or whoever so that they can mm -hmm. have a nice something to put in their frame. But we also want, at least that we've found, our clientele likes things that are a little bit more candid and sure. in the moment. And that yeah. was, you know, when I was going, kind of going back to, to the shoot that I had with Katie and Jared and Ellie, um, it was very much that. Um, yeah. We, Ellie, <laughs> there's no containing Ellie. So, I mean, she's, she's two, so she's running around and she's having a blast and she's wanting to, you know, see what the water feels like. It's chilly mm -hmm. and everything. So we kind of just let her do what she wanted to do and yeah. we captured that life happening yeah. around her, which is, which is really cool. And I think that we get a lot of inspiration from 
um, one photographer I'll kind of just name drop here that is a good friend. Uh, she shot my wedding. We did a feature fair uh, feature with her, Ashley West. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's really she's really cool. And she, you know, I, I was kind of talking to her about, because she photographed my wife and I on our anniversary when we came back to Ohio. Okay. And um, it was interesting because she had photographed us years ago during our wedding on that same day. So I was asking, I was like, so how do you, because every, if you look at her work mm-hmm. and we'll post a link to her work in the show notes, but if you look at her work, everything is very cozy and everything is very like in the moment and very nice. And we're just like, how do you, how do you get to that point? Yeah. And she told me that it's just about making people comfortable bringing up memories for people like what she did is she was like oh yeah i photographed you that's right we photographed you the same date let's turn on your first dance song so in her studio Mm -hmm. she just straight up turned on our first dance song from her wedding and from there just everything felt natural and she was just capturing everything that was going on yeah so um and you know i think another person who does a really good job of that that i've seen their work recently is our own assistant sales floor manager, Steph Parker. Yeah. She's also very talented at making people feel comfortable. Sure. And, and kind of capturing them in that moment. Yeah. Uh, with, with all of that, I will say like, I hadn't made that. I, I hadn't made that connection or that distinction, uh, between those two, but yeah, you're right. There is like, you've got a posed setup or you've got something where it's not necessarily posed, but you're, you're controlling the environment in a way that's going to produce great images, but also make people feel comfortable. Yeah. And like, I do think there is an element of that, even when I'm posing people, I think is when you're just, you, you start out, like I may start out with three Apple boxes and two people sitting on, on them. One, one of them leaning against the other or something like that. Yeah. And then, you kind of like I, I don't know if you've got any kind of tricks or anything. We're kind of we're kind of jumping here, but uh, like in terms of just making people feel comfortable, I tend to like I tend to say, "What did you guys talk about on the car ride over? What, who, <laughs> who was who was doing? He was pulling the pranks. Oh, He's the prankster. They, hopefully, they weren't like arguing. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the times it is, and yeah. they and they're at a place now where they're all sitting comfortably, and they're like, "Okay, we look good." And uh, now we can laugh at that moment. But it is, yeah. like I think for a lot of people, especially if you've got like kids, especially if you've got more than a couple kids, like it's a stressful day for you to prepare for a foot like for portraits. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's one excellent uh, uh, trick is to kind of ask them about <laughs> what they talked about on the car ride. Ask them who's more of the prankster. Ask them like kind of survey them about things. And I think that's a. Um, like who, who is more likely to, to sneak uh, fast food at midnight or who, you know, who is uh, yeah. these, these kind of probing questions that get people laughing and mm-hmm. comfortable and easing up the other one that some people, you know, I've heard some people really like this trick. Some people do not like this trick. It really is dependent. I think on who you've got and how relaxed they're going to get is like, um, if you're holding like, if you're all holding hands, kind of like bump hips with each other and then like see what happens and it kind of ends up being this kind of like fun flowy Mm -hmm. situation where people are laughing because it's this goofy situation where they're bumping hips and it's just like oh we're all relaxed now like we can't you can't take this too seriously yeah so i think that i think that's really cool um when it comes to kids and in this kind of 
I, I know I keep going back to Jared and Katie and Ellie's shoot, but um, I think depending on the kid's age, like Ellie's two. So I was, I was asking, like, she was like hearing noises cause we're like kind of in this wooded park. And I was like, Oh, did you hear that squirrel? Or, um, there was a dog that ran by and she was, I was like, Oh, you see the wolf wolf. And she's like, she's real excited. So you're getting on these expressions based on questions you're asking her or yeah. you know, how old, show me how old you are, stuff like that. Now, when you get into older kids, things can get stranger and more awkward depending on their age. Yeah. Um, Sometimes, you know, if you if, if the parents are there and you're kind of like walking ahead or walking behind and the kids are just kind of like slouching and they're just like, oh, I don't want to be here or whatever. And, like, and I kind of would just be like, hey, you know what? I know this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, I had to do this as a kid too. So like relate, any way you can relate with a kid, I think that's how you get them comfortable. I was just going to, yeah, I was just thinking that too. I like, I think there's a level of just like, you have to get on their level a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you just sure. kind of have to, yeah, get on their same plane. And, like, I don't know, if you notice something, they're always going to have something, like, a pattern on their shirt that has, like, New York Jets or something. And you're like, <laughs> oh, you like football, huh? Like, who's your favorite quarterback? And, like, just get the, getting them engaged and, yeah. like, uh, not distracted. I think also just, like, getting rid of phones and all that stuff, getting ready. Of, like, they, we, for Portraits of Love, a lot of the times uh, we would have – uh ken in the same room doing all the printing ken's the the vp yeah uh who we mention at the end of every show uh <laughs> hey, hey ken, ken. <laughs> uh, but he would often have on his table like let's gather like throw your purse down everybody empty your pocket don't put like don't have your phone on you make sure that you're not going to be distracted all that yep. stuff so but yeah and then just like for kids a lot of times we'd have a couple toys or whatever just uh yeah. like so that they're not just bored out of their mind and, yeah yeah and so i think you know you touched on something that's really interesting that i, I want to expand on uh two really good tricks that i have uh you know always said that this is a must one phones out of pockets phones out of pockets does two things one it keeps people away from their phones right yeah two if you have a phone in your front pocket and your cat your portrait is captured that it looks terrible. Well, it looks terrible, but also dates the photo like crazy. Yeah. Like think back to the old photos that you see of your parents. And you're like, oh my gosh, this, this photo is so dated. Yeah. Like you want a timeless photo, right? You want yeah. something that you can you can cherish forever. And if you've got a phone in your pocket, you're gonna forever look at that square bulge in somebody's pocket and be like, well, that's what the size of phones were at that time. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? it's just yeah. I it to me, I I don't even care that it dates it. It just looks terrible, yeah, especially it looks with. Bad with guys with like dress slacks like it's just you it's like dress slacks are so like they they cling to the shape almost and it's just yeah. like i don't like that's i don't want the point of like greatest contrast which in an image your eye typically goes to the point of greatest contrast because that's yeah that's it's just human tendency and it, i don't want that to be the square in your pocket right right yeah um the other rule is get the gum out your mouth Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No gum. One, yeah. I can't like I I already can't stand the sound of people chewing, so that just it eases my stress quite a bit. You know it's yeah. I got the misophonia. <laughs> so, I will say I have had instances where the kids are like, I don't know, what is it? Big league chew. Yeah, They've like got like the that biggest wad of big league chew in their mouth. And I'm like, before we get rid of that, I want to see the biggest bubble you can blow. Ooh, and then that's get a it good like trick. and then get a picture of it like 
I feel like a lot of portraiture is just like making them feel comfortable and just joking. And it just... is. And I, th- I think the psychology behind that is like, if, if you're going to get your family portrait done, right? The, the last thing, it's already uncomfortable because you're being captured. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's a lot of people who just don't like their well, photo it's, being taken. It, it's a level of formality that's just like. It's a level of formality, but yeah. then you're not connecting with the person behind the camera. It's more like I'm in front of this machine. Yeah, it's, and if, it turns into the dentist's office. Right, and if you can eliminate the machinery part of it, then you can become way more comfortable. Yeah. I think it all comes. Uh, the more we we talk about, it, I think if this episode had word cloud, comfortable would be the biggest word. Yeah, so comfort I think is gonna be a key when it comes to yeah. comes to portraits. Cozy, like you were saying with, uh, did you say Stephanie West? No, no well, Steph Parker. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no, Ashley West is Ashley the, yeah, West. Ash, Ashley I combine them. Yes, because I also there's another photographer in Columbus named Stephanie West, and she does a great oh, job really? with that stuff too. I, I don't yeah. I'll have to look her up. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good photographers out there that that do the like kind of cozy uh, style. Uh, Ashley Wallace, um, Allison Leonard, Ashley West, Steph Parker, um, Mikael Areca is really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I could just name drop. I was gonna say we're kind of we're kind of spoiled with a lot of great photographers yeah. in Columbus that yeah. do this sort of thing. Monty Monty Songbirdeth. Oh yeah. Oh man, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll drop some of their links in the show notes for sure because they're just all phenomenal uh, uh, family family portrait artists or portrait artists in general. Definitely. Okay, kind of reverse back here. Um, is is that is that how that sounds made? We hit the on the yeah. roadcaster. Uh, it's more like I feel uh, like we cassette should, Walkman. Now I feel like circa we need nineteen ninety seven. Feel like we need a sting of that. <laughs> <laughs> um candid family photos um so we ourselves as photographers naturally are frequently asked to bring our cameras to family function at least i i am from time to time i'm not Mm -hmm. always sometimes i bring it voluntarily um you uh to like your own personal family things yeah um yeah i pretty much always take my camera with me when i'm going to see family and stuff like that i like i was just gonna ask you did you, was there a point in your photographic kind of learning photography and all of that? Um, was there a point, uh, and maybe you're still like this, do you hate, do you, do you have any resistance to posing? Um, I'm, I'm not like, it's not like the first thing I want to do, but it's definitely not something that I don't want to do. Okay. Uh, are, are you talking about like when I'm photographing my own family? Like anything. Like I, I know that, so... There seems to be in the photographic community this thing that's almost like, you know, the people that are like, oh, I don't do edits. I do a little adjusting, but I don't edit because like photography equals truth. And any 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 like diversion from that is kind of going against what photography is. And I think that some people even see posing as that. Like, I don't want to interact with my subject because it's not actually documenting the thing at that point then. So... I'm gonna get out my soapbox. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad this uh, because sp- sparked a soapbox thing. Um, so, I think if you probably go back to our episode on the willingness to fail, mm. I probably whipped out my one true philosophy. My one true philosophy in life is that you must adapt 
or, and I say this, I, I it, this is really extreme in saying it this way, you have to adapt or you're going to die. Yeah. And I, I don't mean that in a literal sense in some ways, in some ways that, that might be true, but in, in, in the sense of business, you must adapt to the ways of the market else you will not be a part of it. Yeah. And I think if you go back in photographic history and you look at some of the original portraits at that time, you'll find people very uncomfortable looking. Stiff. Stiff, not smiling. It's funny because I was, I was thinking the same thing. And there's a reason. And do you know this reason, Tom? There's a piece of furniture that poses a person for the camera because the exposures were so long that you literally couldn't sit still long enough for the exposure. Right. So sometimes the back of people's necks would be literally clamped to these furniture poles that they're sitting on. And that's why original portraits looked so bad. (laughs) Like, not bad, but people weren't happy. Yeah. Um, It was Nobody was smiling. Right, because it, it was not pleasant. It was yeah. not a pleasant experience. Even if you look on any of the bills, like on your on any of the like money that you have, none of the presidents are smiling. Right. Yeah. I, I think they just were grumpy guys, though. Uh, <laughs> um, In any case, but I think so. If we go back to the the uh, this this is part of my soapbox. You go back to the original portraits, and you see people who are incredibly uncomfortable. But then you don't need that mechanism anymore to make them uncomfortable. So then they're just kind of sitting there still and they're very, um, they're unsure what to do because they feel like they should be feeling, they've been conditioned to this point of like, this is how photographs look. Sure. But not anymore. So then you start to move into more modern photographs where people are being asked to smile because then they look happy and this brings upon, you know, this trigger in their head. They're like, oh, that was a good time. Yeah. Oh, look at us. We were happy. Um, And that's, truly what what photographs are for now we're moving into a a space where uh, uh, you know upon the turn of the century newspapers aren't doing so well and so photojournalism photojournalists are kind of not getting work anymore so what do they do they they know how to document things so they begin shooting weddings Mm. and they come up with this style of portraiture that is candid and natural and documentary style that makes people look back in fondness on what they've experienced. This is all just continued adaptation yeah. to the photographic I world. I had no idea that that was connected to newspaper photographers. Yes. So now we're now we're in a realm where there is a division on whether to pose or not to pose. And I think we're at a threshold now where there's so many people who want it for older members of their family, but they don't necessarily need those. I don't know that... It's ever like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that this is specific to this point in time though, either like this decision by the photographer. And I also think that like, there was a point where I didn't want to interact with my subject. I just wanted to capture what was there and just kind of move on and have that memory and not interact. Yeah. And we're with limited interaction and not pose. But part of that, I think, was also that I was intimidated by it and that I would screw up that picture by posing them a different way. And I think that the whole thing was, like, it. if I do this, it's not going to look natural. Right. Like, it, if, I inter, if, I, if I say, oh, move your arm over here and kind of shift your shoulders this way, it's not going to look natural, which is probably true until you like you do all of that and then a couple seconds later they're hanging out and then they get comfortable within that space right 
and they may like revert back a little bit, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, it's mostly going to look better. And yeah, I don't, I now I, so I used to not pose very much at all. Now I always start with posing and then we, we vert, like we kind of, things revert back and then I, and then they're comfortable with direction after that because it's like through repetition of me giving direction. It's just like, oh, okay. I trust you now. Yeah. I'll do that again. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, I think so many people are intimidated by that process though. And I think, I think we probably do that in reverse. Like I, I start off with everything candid and then I end with, with posed shots. Interesting. And like I said, but you're still giving direction the whole time. Like, let's go over here under the book, under the tree. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or let's turn around so that I get the sun behind you as a catch light rather than it shooting into your eyes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think, kind of to start stepping off my soapbox, I don't think there's anything wrong with posing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with candid shots either. Yeah, but there um, are photographers that literally, like, they'll do an entire wedding where they're not interacting with guests and they're just capturing right. those loose, candid moments. But they know they're so selective that they know how to capture those without, with them still looking their best. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That was like, yeah, I enjoyed that conversation <laughs> with you. Um, I don't know where we go from there. <laughs> uh, uh, so I, uh, the, back to, uh, I think we, we started with uh, family. We, we were on family photo memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you take your camera to family events. Yeah. I think I'm dinner and, and Christmas. And I think I mentioned this to you. I got comfortable photographing people by photographing my family. Oh, and interesting. Like, and like practice and like, I kind of saw it as like, I really, so when I was a kid, my dad always had a camera. He was yeah. always taking pictures of me and my siblings yeah. and everywhere we went, like we're in the smoky mountains. Let's pull off on the, on the, uh, like the scenic lookout and mm-hmm. get a family portrait with everybody. And, uh, part of me doing it was like, that's important. I look back on these and I really enjoy seeing like those, seeing those things. And, uh, like, and so I started doing it and I like, it's almost more intimidating, I think, starting out just cause it is your family and they're like, they may just be like buzz off. Like they're way less <laughs> yeah. because they're so familiar. They're not afraid to just tell you to go away. Right. And, but right. There would get to a point where it was expected because you keep doing it and doing it, and then they start to see some of the pictures that you're making, and and then they they want you to in certain situations, and yeah. yeah. I um um I, I want to say it was it wasn't this past Thanksgiving, probably the Thanksgiving prior. Um, I went ahead and I brought my camera and I um I shot some just some black and whites, um oh, digital digital because I, I I really enjoy shooting black and white digital, but. Um, I just captured kind of documentary style and it was, it was, I think everybody was kind of at first they were just like, Oh, he brought his camera. Is he going to be taking like these post portraits of us? And then it turned to be, um, now I'm just kind of capturing what happens and yeah. people started to people become more comfortable. And one thing that I decided to do in the moment is I noticed that anytime I would lift my camera up to my face, people would just like kind of freeze in that mm. natural, like, Ugh, I can't, yeah. So I started using, um, cause at the time I was using, uh, um, X-T1 still. Yeah. 
so I just kind of swiveled the screen down mm-hmm. and almost did like a waist level finder so that it was it was discreet that I was taking the picture. Yeah. Like they could see me finagling with the camera, but they didn't. If it's up to my eye, I'm actively taking a picture. If it's down lower, kind of mm-hmm. like waist level, um, then they don't. They, they're just like, oh, he's just messing with his camera. And I got way more um, natural shots that mm-hmm. way. Um, I think that also kind of brings up a good point. If you are nervous about taking someone's picture when yeah. you're bringing it up to your eye, they will be too. Yes. And so, like, if you're taking a picture as if I should be doing this, mm-hmm. like, if you have that confidence and, like, that that level of comfort, if you're comfortable, they likely will be too. And I think that kind of taught me that as well. Yeah. And also just the... Uh, so I remember, ah, uh, man, I remember l- reading an article about Henri Cartier-Bresson that, like, this person who, I think it was the person that actually developed his film for him, and uh, it, that, I'll have to dig up this story, because it was really fascinating, because this guy would just receive, like, 20, 30 rolls of film and be processing them in a in a dingy little hotel room and like, a changing bag, which is crazy to think yeah. about, that some of those some of the most important work within film photographic history is done that way. <laughs> but he uh, he mentioned when he would be out with Brisson, he, like, Brisson would literally disappear. Like, he would be like, I lost him. I don't know where he is. How do I get a hold of him? And, like, Brisson would literally disappear into, like, the nooks and crannies of kind of life. Uh-huh. Like, he would just disappear in a, into a crowd and know how to do that in a way that he could have the camera up to his eye and capture someone's face and all of that, but be invisible because he's, like, almost like if you're if you're not focused on the thing or not, like, hyper energetic about taking it, the, then you just kind of... Yeah, and I've kind of learned that a little bit. Like, if there's if I'm at like a family party or something like that, yeah, just knowing how to blend in with the woodwork a little bit as you're taking those pictures. Yeah, and do you ever find that you disappear from the family event that like you don't experience it though, or do you feel like you're so embedded in it that you are part of it? I mean, that's a that's that's a really good question, and I honestly don't know. I don't feel any sort of like that's like where, any FOMO or anything yeah. from it. Well, that's that's where I get the hiccup is like there's a threshold in which I can tell like does my family feel like I am not a part of this because I'm documenting it, or you know, I and I find that I have to search for that balance. I have to search for that balance of of photographing them and then also participating in whatever's going on. See, I think. I think when I'm doing that, I also am, it is a way of me engaging with the situation too, and a way of me participating in some way. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I would say I'm a pretty social person and I would say that I'm a pretty social person even when I'm photographing. Oh. Like just like, I, I'm sure that I wasn't starting out cause you're still like, what what is my exposure right the, and all of that the but, second nature kind of the second the yeah. muscle memory of of settings yeah and i'm sure that i miss some things i i <laughs> but i don't know that i wouldn't have missed them any <laughs> like i mean i don't know there's sometimes where i'm completely oblivious to things but yeah i think yeah yeah that's a really good question though yeah because that is like and I, the, it that might is be dependent the, on families too because some families will be like oh he's the photographer this is his way of, of participating with us and 
um, they'll they'll just naturally kind of kick back to that and be like, yeah, he's here with us. He's here with us. And some people might see the camera as a technological barrier, like a phone or a video game that a kid is playing. And see, it's not like that for me at all. Well, there are and I think I think that might be because you know you, your dad photographs, your brother photographs, so it's it's kind of a natural part of your guys's family. But uh, culture, if you will, I think it almost does the opposite for me, though, too. Like, there's I have like very vivid things going through my head right now that are like I only remember that likely just because I was so engaged with the camera. Yeah, like I was like you almost fully invest yourself into what you're looking at because you want to take a good picture of it. Yeah, I I that's a man. That's a brain teaser. <laughs> it is. And I think that I am, uh, maybe my mind is is sensitive to it because, you know, my, my dad would photograph as kind of like a hobby when he was younger, but nobody else really, I mean, my nephew and niece, they have my old camera and they kind of play around with it here and there. But really, I'm the only person who's actively photographing. I mean, other than yeah. my wife, but she doesn't do that at family events. It's just me. Yeah. So to me, I'm in the back of my head. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I hope they don't think I'm not paying attention to them or that I'm not participating in this family event. So I'm conscious of it. And I'm, mm. I'm trying to balance both worlds, both the, my own world that is documenting this very special moment for everybody. This, this one year that we're together, not this year, of course, <laughs> yeah. 2020 pandemic. Yeah. But, and then I'm also saying, well, I, you know, I, I hope they, one, they know that I'm here. And two, I hope that I can capture all this. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I guess it would be different for everybody. Yeah, depending depending on your family culture, if you will. So I I think that there's also so the I do not the camera is a completely different experience for me than the phone, which I think like uh, duh, sure, like it's not you can't get lost in it and you can't lose an hour and a half in a blink of an eye on Instagram <laughs> on it for one. Um, but it also, at a lot of family events, it's almost like, did you, I don't know, when you're at like 4th of July with all your cousins and everything, and then your your uncle's like, hey, you want to come check out the car? And it's like, he's got like an old Cadillac or something. And it's almost like that for me. Like, hey, you want to go, go check out a good spot and like take a couple pictures real quick? Or like... Or like, oh, grandma, we have really have to get a photo with you because you like, I really like your like stars and stripes sweater that you're wearing or whatever <laughs> for Fourth of July. You know what I mean? It's like that sort of thing where it's like that was suspiciously specific. <laughs> that that actually didn't even happen. No. But it's just you know, it's those little moments yeah. where it's almost like the camera almost makes people feel more special about the event. Yeah, I yeah. think in my or like the experience. And that you head. bring that up, it actually it sparks a really uh interesting uh idea in my mind for anybody who's listening who, you know, you might have relatives who are a little uh cautious of your camera or, or they're kind of like standoffish about it a little bit. Um listen, everybody's got social media. I don't care who's listening to this. If yeah. you you have social media. I don't I don't care. And yeah. I think the way that you could position it is like like you said if you've got uh Maybe you take your aunt and your cousins aside and you're like, hey, you want to get a nice family portrait? You can put it as your cover photo on Facebook. Or, hey, do you, you know, take take somebody else aside and say, hey, you know what? I know you're searching, you know, you're, you're looking for a new job or something. Why don't, I, why don't I just capture you real quick so you can have a new LinkedIn headshot or something? Mm -hmm. And then that way they're like, oh, yeah, like, that'd be great. Then I, then I, can, then I can use that. And, and, and then it, um, it yeah. 
Or it turns into like, I've even had things, yeah, I fully agree, but then there's some instances too where you take a really hilarious candid and it becomes like an internal, <laughs> like it never reaches anyone outside because right. we're respectful of each other. It's something you find but it's like, like a... But it's like every once in a while you send that, that picture to aunt whoever and you're like, yeah, I still have this on a memory card. <laughs> <laughs> Hold it over their head. Yeah. Maybe you find a website a, where you can get it custom printed as wrapping paper yeah, for next year. <laughs> or like send it on a card one Christmas or something. I don't know. There's some funny things there. But yeah, I think... Man, yeah, that's yeah. Okay, so let's now that we've we've gone through a lot of conceptual stuff and some really philosophical ideas on family portraits, let's switch gears to gear. Mm. See what I did there? There we go. <laughs> I like I like that. Um, so first up, do you have like when you're shooting, whether it's family portraits, group portraits, uh, like you're at a family event, and you're capturing things. Is there a setting? Like, is there a, a camera mode? Is there, what do you do with your camera that makes things easier for you? My camera is pretty much always in the same set of settings. It's always manual for really? exposure. Uh, it's always auto. Now that I've got the Z6 two and before when I had the Z6, it was, Fancy pants. it was always, I autofocus tracking. Um, I, for my own personal family stuff, I like to shoot film a lot. Cause it's like, there's almost, uh, there's a carelessness to it. Like where, like where you, you're even less distracted. Cause there's not a back screen to like look uh, at. Yes, yes, and yes, yes. so you snap the picture and you're literally done with it. Yeah. Like you might as well go back in the bag or uh. back on the table and and then there's also the kind of magic of like two weeks later I get it developed and scanned and it's and then I share it and they're like oh, it's far enough away that people are like that it's a separate event but it's of the same thing so you're just like oh reliving it a little bit like oh that was that was a lot of fun we should go back to the zoo or whatever yeah and I, yeah I I rarely change my settings from yeah especially with mirrorless there's no reason to not be on manual full manual. You see the exposure before you take the shot. So you got to judge it's me if so I got shoot easy. manual. Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's just that's just like it's. Uh, I guess it's more of a judgment on my part because it's like by changing the settings to like aperture priority or your shutter priority, I'm almost that's more of like a mental exercise for me than leaving it on the same setting and just like shooting like I would normally. Right. Um, so I have to admit, I don't shoot in manual. The majority of my time... Are you even a real photographer? <laughs> I use the little green square. So guys, I'm going to be looking for a new podcast co-host here coming up because I need somebody who knows their camera. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> that oh, is complete BS. Wow. I do, not, I do not think that if you're a photographer and you shoot on Aperture Priority, if you shoot on Program Auto, I don't care. If your photos are great, I love you. <laughs> Go on, Kev. See how your Christmas present is for me this year, Tom. <laughs> um, getting a Christmas present. <laughs> I uh, uh, so I shoot an aperture priority, and uh, so those who aren't aware, aperture priority is where you set your aperture, and the camera, for the most part, what can set everything else for you. Now that there is an exception with auto. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, auto ISO. Um, now you can set your camera to auto ISO while you're in aperture priority, and then your camera is determining the ISO for you, or you can set your own ISO and shoot from there. So with that said, I choose aperture priority 
and I choose my own ISO and I adjust for shadows and highlights using the exposure value plus and minus. So I've already realized that I lied. <laughs> so you do shoot aperture priority or So at some of the races I've had this issue where you're where you're like it's such a fast-paced environment like literally bang 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 you're going through different families different portraits and all that stuff and before I know it I'm shooting a group of 12 people at f1.8 and literally one person is in focus so sometimes I do use aperture priority with auto ISO and just leave it at f8 so that I know that the group the whole group would be in focus sorry guys I guess we're going to have to get a whole new podcast crew over here. <laughs> Maddie, call your friends. <laughs> I shoot so it, I shoot aperture priority because it allows me to control my depth. Yeah, short, exactly. Short and simple. Exactly. It allows me to control my depth and if I need to adjust the the, the contrast, brightness, whatever, that it's exposure value after that. Yeah. So that just makes it easier for me <laughs> and I'm, I'm not constantly thinking yeah. about yeah. After like the second time, Rob, my like the guy that I shoot with all the time, yeah. he'd get my photos and be like, "Why is literally the first person in focus and not like anyone else?" <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, I'll I'll, ch I'll change the my approach to this situation from now on, kind of thing." You know, like you can only get away with that like maybe once. <laughs> um, okay, so it seems like you shoot a mixture of manual and aperture, and I shoot aperture. You um, pretty much always are an aperture priority, though. For the most part, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, I it, it is, it is. I will switch to manual every now and then, um, and I'm comfortable doing so. It's not that I don't know how to shoot manual. It's just I find things get can get captured quicker mm -hmm. if I am focusing because my mind is so honed in on the technical side, which means I could I could shoot manual all day long, mm -hmm. but I need to hone my mind and lean my mind more towards the creative side, like uh, composition yeah. and and all of that. So that's. that's that's that, why I let the technology do it for me so that yeah. I can focus on that. So. That's literally why I kind of switched because I found myself getting distracted by the conversations that I'm having with my subjects, like making sure that they're comfortable and yeah. all that, that like that I don't look at the little line of text under the frame to like see to check my settings every shot when when you're when you're going through. Yep. Yeah. What's your um okay kind of still in the gear track? What's your go-to lens for for um for this for these for these things? So for hmm. for, for portraits of family. So I, I've got the twenty-four to seventy f four for my Z six. It's wonderful. That lives on my camera pretty much all the time. Mm -hmm. I like twenty-four to seventies, but a lot of times if you're wanting like posed really nice portraits, twenty-four to seventy is kind of a bland range. Like it's just it's it's great it's sharp and all that stuff but it's just like there's no like real character to it like mm -hmm. there's no compression there's no like magic to that lens um so for like the more posed stuff i tend to go for the 70 to 200 to 8 got it yeah and then i like uh with all the film stuff it's always primes yeah, yeah. so i i'm finding that i'm i'm becoming like a prime like i i'm a 35 millimeter focal length junkie. i love 35 i just I love it. I yeah. love it. I, 30, can't, I like, can't get enough of it. I think that I am starting to lean a lot more towards primes. And my my wife, she doesn't like primes at all. She she just doesn't. She's a she's a twenty four seventy. She's yeah. A, yeah. She's a twenty four seventy seventy two hundred type of person. If like 
if I I feel like I've learned a lot about your wife through these conversations that I've had with you with the <laughs> podcast. And it seems like she's a very she's person first, then photographer like almost like that, right? Yes. Like she's very like, let's get you comfortable, let's get make this image look great. Yes. And I don't want my gear to get in my way at all. Yes. Whereas I'm almost like the obstacle of the gear is almost engaging my brain a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so like, I don't mind, like if I'm shooting film with my family back at home, like I, I, I like to approach it. I, I, in my mind, I kind of feel that it's a cinematic way of doing things, but I don't know that it actually is, but I'll have a wide, typically a 35 F2, a, a middle, uh, a normal lens, a 51.4 F2, whatever, mm -hmm. and then a more telephoto, like a 135 or a 105. And these are long primes, bro. Yeah. But <laughs> like those longer primes are great for like more intimate looks, yeah. like the portraits where you're completely blurring out the background, yeah. compressing everything. And it's literally just that person that's in the photo. And then the, I almost see it as like with the cinematic thing of like, the wide is the establishing shot. Right. That's giving you all the information of what's going on around this person. And then the normal is like a little bit closer look. And then the long is like just that person and like very, very, and a very intimate view of that person. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, with that said, let's, uh, let's give a challenge to our readers. If Ooh. if you um it, we want you to stay safe this holiday season so yeah. if if you are uh in a single home please stay in your single home and 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 just do kind of like a Zoom situation with your family so that, you know you can spend uh, the holidays with them next year and keep everybody safe um, but if you do live with family and you do own a camera um be part of the memories during this holiday season but also try to capture them yeah and uh, send us those. If, you, yeah. if you're comfortable sharing sharing that part of your life, uh, that part of your family with us, then share them with us, and we'll we'll put them on up on the yeah the two weird camera beards Instagram. Yeah, let us know. Like, I'd be curious too as to what our audience, how they kind of treat a lot of these things too. Yeah, yeah. Like send what us, your experiences are. Yeah, send us your experiences. Uh, we'll we'll what read your them preferences. Off here. Yeah, you can either record an audio note on your phone, or you can send us a little blurb of text, and we'll we'll read it off uh, for you. Yeah. Um, and then you know, if you want, well, share us your other your older family photos, and we'll share our favorite family photos. Tom brought in a nice envelope of of him looking like a hooligan, oh my hooligan when he was younger. So we'll make so sure many to get of those them are, yeah, so many of them are embarrassing. <laughs> I've got a yeah, I'll have to dig it up, but I've got a pretty hilarious picture of me. Like I had a we had a stand up piano growing up, which was never in tune or anything. None of us played piano. I think we just. Get, we ended up with one. It showed up one day. Yeah. And <laughs> so there's a hilarious series of photos that my dad took of me in like four different patterns on my outfit and just like jamming out with sunglasses on the piano. <laughs> so I'll have to post those. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Let it send us what you guys like. Send us your like family photos that you like to take. And I know so many photographers out there, especially on like Instagram, it's like, like Matt Day has the document your life kind of thing yep. and all that. And yep. just like, it's such a great like starting point, I think, for someone who is ambitious for portrait photography. Yeah, for sure. All right, everybody. 
Um, keep an eye on our Instagram. Send us your your uh, your voice notes or your notes to us via email. Mm-hmm. You can always listen to us. Uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So you can always listen to us uh, wherever you listen to your uh, favorite podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, we always are everywhere uh, mm-hmm. and, and growing. So uh, share your photos with us on Instagram at, at the number two weird camera beards or at MPEX underscore photo underscore video. And you can also send us your questions or photos via DMs there as well. Um, and then if you don't have Instagram and you just want to send us an email, it's the number two weird camera beards at MPEX.com. Yeah, and a special thanks to our magical, mystical... Uh, marvelous. Marvelous. Uh, any other... No, we're good. Uh, executive <laughs> producer, Matty O'Neill. Uh, the president of Midwest Photo, Moisha Applebaum. The VP of Midwest Photo, Ken Lewis. Uh, you got a little shout-out earlier in the episode, too. Yep. And uh, who who did we mention uh, the we, special appearances? We didn't have any special appearances in terms of voice, but we did mention uh, uh, quite a few photographers. Steph Parker, Ashley West, Allison Leonard, Ashley Wallace... Uh, Mikhail Areka, Monty Songpredith. So just shout out to those guys. Make sure you check out their work. We'll drop their uh, Instagrams and websites into our show notes. Perfect. And the quote of today. The quote. The quote. The is, quote. It's uh, by the photographer Platten, which if you, I believe that there's still a documentary that was produced by Netflix, and I think that it's still up there. Hmm. It's great on his photographic process. If you guys are into portraiture, trying to get into studio work, he's kind of, I don't know. I think he's up there with Annie Leibovitz. Uh, but he is, the, his quote is, I'm not a politician or a scholar or a political historian. I'm just a photographer who's trying to capture a spirit. It's not an intellectual process. It's an intuitive process. I dig it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, go check out his, uh, if if I can find it, I'll get it to Maddie and we can link it up in the show note as well. And yeah, it's cool. a, it's good from what I remember. Awesome. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. See you, buds. Bye. Bye. Donka Shinrei. <laughs> <laughs>